Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, what a blessing it has been here to be here at Resurrection Church. And I, I just want to start out and, and, and say, you guys are absolutely amazing. Roe v. Wade has been overruled for just over two weeks now, I think. And, and you're already praying and out at that clinic and standing in the gap for our unborn. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are still trying to figure out what happened. And you're like, no, we're going to be there. So thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, praying for our little ones, for their moms. Um, and before I, before I move any further this morning, I'm going to do something that the Lord laid on my heart years ago uh, to do whether I'm speaking to one person about abortion or a thousand. I don't think I've spoken to a thousand yet. I don't know, maybe. Um, and that is to recognize that in any group, one-third to one-fourth of the individuals in that room have a personal experience with abortion and i want to remind you that if it is a part of your story in any way you know i have this in my notes pastor billy read it earlier but again it's still there first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and so i commend you to him our source of healing and our hope. And isn't it amazing that we are always, all of us, always within the reach of his grace and mercy. And so we, we claim that right now before we start. So in, in the years to come, I think most of us will remember where we were on the morning of June 24th, 2022. That is the morning that the Supreme Court announced that they had overruled Roe v. Wade. I think it's, it's going to be something that, that we remember, like, I, I don't know, I grew up with my parents talking about where they were when Kennedy was shot. My generation remembers where we were when the Challenger disaster happened. I think most of us remember 9-11. Well, on that historic morning, June 24th, 2022, you might have been at work. You might have been at the grocery store. You might have been chasing a toddler around. In my case, I was on our Friday morning human coalition prayer call. And for those of us that work full-time in the pro-life movement, we had spent weeks clicking refresh, refresh, refresh on the Supreme Court website on the days that they were going to be releasing opinions. Is today the day? No. Is it going to be next time? So, all right, I'll admit, we, we weren't praying yet. We were at the prayer request part, y'all. So, I, was, I wasn't praying with one eye open. But I had my colleagues on one side of the screen. We were talking about our prayer requests. And Supreme Court up on the other one. And there it was. Roe and Casey overruled and it's one of those things where you you look and you're like did did that really happen so on that hot summer morning with tall fences around the supreme court with protesters walking back and forth some screaming and just in defiance some praying and rejoicing the ruling that took place in January of 1973 where seven men created a right to abortion, so-called right to abortion out of the Constitution, that ruling came crumbling down. 
That ruling resulted in the loss of over 63 million little American lives. I don't know about you, but I believe that a host in heaven was rejoicing that morning with us. And they're still rejoicing today. So way back in college, way back in college, I was actually a history major. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Ended up teaching for a while, but I, I was a history major. It was a lifelong love of history that was sparked by my high school history teacher who used to tell us that history is a conversation between the past, the present, and the future. So there's no doubt that we are right now at a pivotal time in America's history. Not only where abortion is concerned, but culturally, as Americans, I think we all need to sit for a minute and ask ourselves some questions. Who are we? What do we value? What gives us hope? What brings meaning to our days? What gives us joy in the morning? What gives us peace as we sleep at night? Any quick perusal of social media, particularly news sites, would yield many, many issues that are worthy of our attention. But friends, abortion is more than an issue. It is the intentional killing of an innocent human being, and it is the single greatest human rights abuse of our time. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that the arc of the moral universe is long, and it bends towards justice. So on that Friday morning on June 24th, I do believe the arc of history was bending towards justice. We rejoice, but there is so much work to do. So as this new page in our nation's history turns, and it'll take us a while for us to really, really understand what this means, but as it turns, I'd like to just share some thoughts this morning about how we, as people of faith, can respond to this cultural moment. So the first thing, and always the first thing, is to pray. I don't know how many of you listening online or here this morning were out in front of the clinic yesterday morning. I'll never forget the first time that I personally prayed in front of an abortion clinic. If you're like I was, you're still, I'll be honest, processing this morning. It's a lot, and that's okay. It's not easy to stand out there and to watch women walk in the doors carrying a child within, and if you're out there long enough, some walk out. The battle feels heavy and real and large at that moment. Our enemy wants us to feel small, right? But we have to remember that we serve a God that is so, so big. So one scripture that I've really leaned on over the years here and is just really poignant for me at this time is in Ephesians 6, 
10 through 13, and that is finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Therefore, put on what? The full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So this battle over abortion, this battle over these little babies and the hearts and the the minds of their moms, it's not fought with human intellect. It's not fought with fancy arguments, and, and, and it's not even fought with Supreme Court cases, is it? It's fought on our knees, crying out to a mighty God who loves those little babies and those moms more than we ever could. We are his instruments in a lost and fallen world. We're participants in a story that he is writing, and we are warriors in a battle that he will win. So we move forward in that truth and in that strength. So the first thing we do in this cultural moment is we pray, and we keep praying and love life you guys are and I, and I know um, you guys are welcome to go pray in front of that clinic anytime you want and and, and Christians gather on Saturday mornings and in, in locations all over this state in this nation and I would encourage you that if you feel led to continue to do that so first of all we pray second we love so what's the what's the greatest commandment love okay we love our lord our god with all of our heart soul strength and mind and we love our neighbors as ourselves. so i have a question this morning who is our neighbor so you you might be thinking well i mean i don't know it's jim who lives next door to me <laughs> okay yep true jim's your neighbor so is the person sitting next to you in the pew. So is the lady in front of you in Walmart. Later on this afternoon, maybe, so you do your grocery shopping for the week. But I want to present to you this morning that the unborn is your neighbor. That little precious baby who we cannot see. Well, I don't know. We can with those ultrasounds these days. But that little precious child is your neighbor and so is the mom who's carrying him or her that little baby and his or her mom are both precious and created in the image of god so next i'm going to just shine a little spotlight on our our unborn and then i'm going to shine a spotlight on mom so that little baby is being lovingly knitted together in his or her mom's womb Created with a holy purpose, with a unique imprint of our creator that no one has ever had before and no one will ever have again. There's a lot of, like, like Pastor Billy said, there's a lot of information coming from all sides right now, okay? People are talking about this topic on the news. If you're on social media, you're seeing um, memes, you're seeing quotes, you're seeing, I can promise, some misinformation. Um, there are protests 
Um, lots of pro-life groups, including ours, have, have held webinars, informational webinars on post-row uh, for the church, for people, uh, just information. But in the midst of all of this hullabaloo, we need to remember to pause and to think about that tiny little one who has no voice. Because again, abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. A tiny, helpless, living, growing human being with a worth and value that we cannot begin to measure. So the pro-abortion forces, they don't want to talk about this child, do they? Anytime we talk about the unborn, what is the unborn, that they don't want to have that conversation. So I want to encourage you this morning that we, the church, we must have that conversation. We must be their voice and continue reminding everyone of what one of my favorite, favorite uh, pro-life apologists, Scott Klusendorf, says, is the main thing. The main thing is this little preborn baby who's being intentionally targeted and who's being intentionally killed in our society every single day. So we must be their voice. But secondly, and this is something near and dear to Human Coalition, this is a huge part of what we do, I want to shine a light on mom. Because in every single situation, we have a mom, a woman who is also created in the image of God, worthy of dignity and respect and love. Let's think about her for a minute. She was once a little girl, full of hopes and dreams. She could come from any background you could imagine. She might come from affluence. She might come from comfort, from a stable home, from, from a supportive environment. She might come from brokenness, poverty, abuse, trauma, isolation, and want. She's as different as the grains of sand. We don't know a lot about her as she's walking in, but we do know, we do know that she is in disbelief, that she is scared. She hears voices. These are not imaginary voices. In, in many cases, and some studies show, in, in up to 60% of cases, she, she's hearing very real voices of people that she loves and knows. It, it could be a, a boyfriend, a husband, a father, a grandparent, a neighbor. Voices that are saying, you can't. You can't do this. You can't have that baby. Because if you do, you'll never fill in the blank. Finish school. Get a job. Be successful. Get married. 
all the things, have a house, um, be happy. In some cases, women are being so pressured to have an abortion, someone is, is at that moment threatening to withdraw her, the roof over her head, her sustenance, her ability to sustain herself. These are very loud voices that are saying, you can't. So in that moment of desperation, she picks up her phone, and she opens up a browser, and she starts searching for what? An abortion clinic. I want to tell you the story of Courtney. Courtney was 19 years old, a college freshman, staring at a positive pregnancy test. It's one of those things that no matter how long you stare at it, it's not changing, is it? There's a disbelief there. And so there were voices in Courtney's life, including her own mom, who were pressuring her to abort. She didn't have any money. She had just started college so that she could gain job skills and, and have a career. So she started searching for a clinic online. And that is when she saw an ad for a clinic operated by Human Coalition. She called our number, and she was immediately surrounded with love, with support, with expert care from nurses and social workers who put her into a life-affirming environment with life-affirming words of truth. And we, we, what we do, guys, is, is we turn it upside down. We turn you can't into you can. And we are going to be there for you every step of the way. Courtney's little girl is 11 years old now. She has an amazing smile. She's a strong young lady. She's going to do great things. She has a bright future, a loving mom. So at this moment, I am going to pause and I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about Human Coalition. We are one of the largest pro-life organizations in the nation. We are pro-life, pro-family, and pro-woman. Our mission at Human Coalition is to make abortion unthinkable and unnecessary. So we rescue children with a very innovative, creative model, which I just kind of told you about, which is we reach women while they are searching online for that clinic. And we reach out to her with, with a free ultrasound, with pregnancy counseling, with love and care. We do serve women right here in, in Charlotte. Uh, we do operate in, I think it's around 15 states. We're growing pretty quickly. Uh, but we have one of our clinics here in Charlotte. And we empower women with the resources that they need to choose life. And one thing I think that's really neat about Human Coalition is we have a three-year continuum of care program that's run by licensed social workers. So, so this is not a short-term 
were in your life for a little while situation. We have a three-year program where we provide her with the support that she needs. Uh, re we, we connect her with resources in, in here in Charlotte in the community. And, and one really key thing is we connect her with churches like you with churches like Resurrection Church. We kind of consider ourselves the, the bridge between that woman who has decided, remember, when we reach her, she's decided to have an abortion, kind of a bridge between her and the church. And, and we have a network of churches around the nation who help us uh, with this mission. And so my friend Mitzi Bissett, over here uh, is, is the Southeast Director of Volunteer and Community Services for Human Coalition. And we have a table in the back. So if you'd like more information about uh, how to help us, we have a holiday program we need help with coming up soon and some different things. Please see Mitzi on your way out. Okay, so we talked about Courtney. We talked about Human Coalition. I have a statistic for you. 76% of the women that we see say that they would prefer to parent if their circumstances were different. Think about that. So what do we need to change? The circumstances. Folks, this is not 1952. This is 2022. We boldly proclaim at Human Coalition, that women do not need a right to abortion in order to be able to fully participate in society. Think about how antiquated the view of the pro-abortion movement is. Women don't need abortion. Women need love and support and care and resources. A recent study showed that 76% of women said their church had no influence on their decision to abort. So thank you. Thank you for talking about this. Thank you for making this a matter of prayer and, and a priority for your church. Like Pastor Billy said, abortion is still legal in most states. There were 30,000 abortions in North Carolina last year, a little over 11,000 right here in Charlotte. And like Pastor Billy said, all eyes are on North Carolina as we are destined to be a destination for abortion under our current political structure. Here's one thing I want you to remember. The laws can change all day, every day. But the circumstances under which she is searching for that clinic, the circumstances that make her think that she can't, that's not changing. Unless we change it. One million women, it is estimated, will seek abortion next year, regardless of what happened with Roe. And so that is when we must step in the gap as a church and as a society, support her, and you know what? Also support the dads, okay? Also support the, dis the dads and, and empower them with, with the resources that they need. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus to these women. Think about how Jesus treated women when he walked here on this earth. Has anyone seen the series Chosen? Have you guys watched that? That was just something that just came through to me as I was watching that, is how he interacted with the women in his life. The scene where... 
I don't want to give anything away in case you haven't watched it. Well, you know, you've read the Bible. <laughs> but but when, when, when Mary Magdalene meets him and realizes who he is the first time, the compassion, just the sheer joy, he was a friend to the broken, the unexpected, the unlikely, And I like to think of the woman who touched the hem of his garment. When he talked to her, he called her daughter. So we are his hands and feet when we step into the uncomfortable and we help with things like housing and transportation and childcare, resumes, all of the things that make her think, I can't do this, we'll step in and say, I can. Let us help you. You have a purpose. This is our message as a church to this woman. You have a purpose. Your life is worthy. Your baby has a precious life to live. And this is the most important thing. We know the one who can heal all of your pain. So our obligation is to bring hope and healing to a hurting world. Our God is a God of restoration and mercy. And as always, mercy triumphs over judgment. So we pray, we love, we love the preborn, we love his or her mom, and finally, we engage. We engage this culture for life. Now, my first point under engage is probably, it's not something I'm hearing a lot these days, but it's something the Lord really laid on my heart this week, so here we go. I believe And scripture says, I believe, that we need to listen first. And we need to listen well. You know the famous passage in Ecclesiastes 3, I think, where it talks about, you know, being slow to speak. Um, In in James, when it talks about um, being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Ecclesiastes, sorry, it's a time to be silent and a time to think, time to speak. What does this look like in the battle over abortion when everybody's talking? Okay. A pro-life apologist that I admire, her name is Stephanie Gray Connor. She talks about not only winning the argument, but winning the person that you are talking with at that time. So if, if you're talking with someone who is adamant about the pro-abortion stance, I would encourage you to listen first. You're gonna, you might hear some anger. You, you might hear some things that, that they've been told that are just not true. But behind that, there is often pain. There's fear. There's betrayal. And sometimes there's judgment that they have experienced from people who are wearing the banner of Christ. So listen well. Listen first. We are pro-life because we embrace the image of God, the imago Dei, in every human being he creates, the unborn child, their mom, and that person you're talking to who is pro-abortion. It's much easier to stay in our pro-life bubbles and avoid these topics altogether. But we must engage. Conversations... So they begin with a listening ear, but then we must speak. We must speak the truth in what? The truth in love. So first of all, the truth. I would encourage you to be equipped on this issue. 
Because right now, y'all, our, na- our nation has traded truth for lives. For lies. I cannot get into pro-life apologetics today. What's that, Julie? That is a study of how we talk about this issue. How do we defend life when you're talking to your neighbor, when you're talking to your coworker? But I would be happy to send Pastor Billy some recommended resources. There are some online resources, um, free resources, uh, groups that you can follow that teach you pro-life apologetics, how to defend our point of view. Um, Life Training Institute, Equal Rights Institute, the Colson Center, there's some good stuff out there. Uh, But it's important to be equipped with, with the truth about abortion and then secondly, we speak the truth in love because the greatest commandment is to love our neighbor and to represent him well at all times. As we engage in this moment, let's think for a minute, what are we known for? Are we known more as culture warriors or are we known as the Good Samaritan? You know what? I don't think those are mutually exclusive. We can speak boldly in the public square for life, but we can stop and we can give that cup of cold water and we can give that assistance and we can give that housing and we can be there for our neighbor. Do our words wound or heal? Do we want to make an argument or make a difference? Our call is to be different, to walk in humility and kindness. So we listen well, we speak the truth in love, and finally, we act. We act to rescue the perishing. Proverbs 24.11 says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. I recently read about a little village in France called La Chambonne. I have no idea if I'm saying that right, (laughs) y'all. That was my Mebane, North Carolina version. Le Chambon had a population of about 3,000 people during World War II. And this was not a wealthy village. This was a mostly impoverished village. 3,000 people. World War II. They rescued 5,000 Jewish refugees. Most of them children. They risked their own lives, and they worked together to save the innocent. History, if you look back at history, it's full of these stories of communities rescuing the perishing. Pastor John Enser says, rescuing the innocent is not new. It's just our turn. Justice is the clarion call of Scripture, and we are called to be a people who love mercy and walk humbly. Think about the resources in this room, the collective impact of our community and what we can do. You can act to support local pregnancy resource centers. You can continue to pray and support groups like Love Life. You can enter the foster care and adoption space with support that women and children need. We talked about the preborn who have no voice. Be their voice in the halls of power. Pastor Billy mentioned I do have a background in political work. And I would encourage you, remember, we, you may not feel like it some days. 
we the people still do have power and influence. So I encourage you to be informed about legislation. Be in touch with elected officials and candidates. Ask those tough questions nobody else wants to ask. And remember, abortion is not a political issue. It's a moral issue that's being decided in the sphere of politics. But legislation does have an impact. I will mention that Human Coalition is the only pro-life group that directly serves women, but we also advocate for them in the public square. We have a government and a policy arm, and we are working very hard to make sure that we have people in power who reflect our values on life. Before I, I move on to my clothes, and I'm not really going to talk about politics, but I, I, anytime I do, particularly in, in the context of this issue, I read this quote by Abraham Kuyper. There's not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Whether it's the halls of power, whether it's that clinic that you were outside yesterday, every inch is his. Back to Martin Luther King Jr., he once said, the ultimate measure of a man, and I'm going to add in woman here, too, is not where he stands in times of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. So where will we stand? I know we're all deeply burdened by the weight of this mission. This abortion is tough. It's hard to think about. It's not easy to talk about. It almost seems impossible. People are like, Julie, human coalition's message to end abortion by making it unthinkable and unnecessary? Yes, because we serve a big God, a mighty God who can do that. But I want to encourage you that every single person can make a difference. One psalm that was a real comfort to myself and, and some of my colleagues in, in the days leading up to the Roe decision Psalm 37, 3 through 6. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. So don't lose heart. We serve a mighty and faithful God who created our precious little ones. And remember, he loves them and their moms more than we ever could. As King Jehoshaphat learned in Second Chronicles 20, when he, he was surrounded, surrounded by many enemies, and, and his people let him know, as if he didn't notice, that they were surrounded by all of their enemies, and and, and they, they were like, what, what, what are we going to do? And he said, Lord, we turn our eyes on you. So that is where our eyes rest in the midst of this battle because our hope is in him. Great is his faithfulness. We know how this story ends, don't we? We know the one who sits on the throne, and we know, as Revelation says, that he will make everything new 
one day. I'm going to end with a quote by Dr. Al Mohler that is uh, just something that's been very powerful over the last few years. He says, Christians, when he's talking about the storm of what's happening in our culture, Christians must not only confront this storm with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must do so with full faith. Our hope does not rest with temporal political victory, though it understands the importance of politics. It rests on the one who sits at the right hand of the throne of God. It rests with the one through whom all things were created. Our faith is in the one who was nailed to the cross, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and established his unchallenged rule over the cosmos. Death is defeated. The head of the serpent is crushed. Nothing will prevail over our God, and nothing can withstand the power of the gospel. Thank you.